The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Good morning. It's Friday, March 27th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Trey Scott. It took four hours and 14 minutes for Arkansas and Ole Miss to stage that seven overtime classic in 2001. Back in 2001, before the air raid had taken over college football, that was a really, 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 really long time. Thankfully, it did not take nearly as long to rewatch that game this week, thanks to YouTube, which was not even invented in 2001. Do you remember Arkansas, Ole Miss, 2001, seven overtimes? Probably. You probably at least remember hearing about it. Because back in 1996, college football instituted overtime rules. And this one in 2001 became the first of eventually five games to go seven overtimes. The last one was in 2018 with Texas A&M and LSU playing each other. And that was such an exhausting game that college football then changed their overtime rules. I had not thought about Arkansas Ole Miss for a while. But it was always like, I've always remembered it, but I hadn't thought about it for a while until... Actually, in January, I was at a Tennessee Titans playoff watch party in Nashville and started talking to an older Ole Miss fan who was at the game. It was in Oxford. And the fan left after like the third overtime because it was just time to go home. And the fan actually forgot how the game ended. And I was like, I did too. So we had to Google the result. And we're like, oh, Arkansas won. And that makes sense. Like The fact that a game was seven overtimes is much more memorable than the fact that the final score was Arkansas 58 Ole Miss 56. So here are my notes from rewatching it. And I'm excited about this podcast because we have some cool guests coming up. The game, it had its sloppy moments, but it was also a throwback that I found really refreshing and nostalgic to watch. We had bootlegs. We had play action fakes under center. We had the eye formation. We had quick slants. We had a fullback. We had Archie Manning in the stands listening to the radio with his yellow headphones. Remember when people did that? Do people still do that? We've progressed quite a bit since then, and I guess this is my opportunity to mention that Colonel Rev was still Ole Miss's sideline mascot, and that figure would be removed from the sidelines in 2003, so we're still in 2001. And think about all the other things that have changed, right? Like, I mean, sure, things have changed. It's 19 years ago, but Eli Manning just retired. Uh, Arkansas had a freshman named Matt Jones who had his welcome-to-the-world moment in that game or the week before against Auburn, perhaps. And at that point, he was just a fun and really rare Back then, dual threat quarterback with four or five speed who had yet to flame out as an NFL wide receiver. Arkansas coach Houston Nutt was seven years away, actually, from becoming the Ole Miss head coach. And then Ole Miss head coach David Cutcliffe is actually still kicking it as Duke's head coach. And he just mentored Eli's eventual New York Giant replacement, Daniel Jones. Going to set the scene a little bit and then jump to our expert interviews. Hogsports.com's Trey Biddy, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, a lifelong Arkansas follower who remembers the game extremely well and has some fun Matt Jones stories. And then my first ever 24-7 Sports boss, Bobby Burton, 
uh, you've probably heard of him, a founding father of the recruiting industry who actually went to New Orleans to scout Eli Manning in high school. All right, setting the stage, it's November 3rd, 2001, less than two months after 9-11, which I thought was relevant timing given the current time of coronavirus crisis we're recording this podcast in. Ole Miss enters the game 6-1, and one, cut cliffs in his third year, riding the talented right arm of sophomore quarterback Eli Manning, son of Archie, younger brother of Peyton, who was in his first season as this full-time starter. He was awesome. This loss, though, it crushed them. So they, they were 6-1. They were and one. They lost this game. They'd eventually slide to 7-4. and four. Arkansas entered the game 4-3 and three under Houston Nutt, who was in his fourth year. They'd go 7-5, and five, but at least in the process of that bumpy season, find their quarterback of the future in Matt Jones. They played four quarterbacks in the opener of that season, but they'd, they'd find Matt Jones as their future, and they'd find a really fun, talented nucleus for a team that would be fondly remembered by Arkansas fans in the years to come. Onto that game, it was 17-17 after regulation, 58-56 after seven overtime, so obviously a lot happened. Eli had his moments. It was fun to watch a a spry Eli Manning throwing while running left, throwing off his back foot, perfectly executing end zone fades. You know, like you watch Eli Manning now, or I guess you you finish watching him, and it's like, kind of bums you out. Because like, okay, he doesn't have it anymore. He's making sad faces. He's kind of a meme. But back then, Eli was the man. He had clearly arrived as one of college football's best quarterbacks. And of his 31 touchdowns that sophomore season, six were thrown in this game. Matt Jones looked ahead of his time. It's 2001. Like we, Dual threat quarterbacks were not really a thing then. Uh, he had Manziel-esque ability to buy time in the pocket, despite the fact he only completed three passes in this game. And his running aptitude was just absurd. It was incredible. Producer Tony Levitt notes that his patience was a la Le'Veon Bell. He had awesome speed, as I mentioned. And on the first play of the third overtime, Matt Jones just fakes, fakes, a, fakes a run, a bootlegs out, 25-yard touchdown to the right. Plenty of clutch moments here, several by Eli, which was nice to see, including a fourth down slant into double coverage to keep hope alive. Four touchdown drive and seven overtimes, but the game ended shortly after when the Rebels could not convert a two-point conversion that they needed to get the game into eight overtimes. Thankfully, we didn't have that because even before they didn't convert, ESPN had just shown an exhausted Matt Jones slouched back on the bench. like His head was missing. All you could see was his number nine white uniform. He was that tired. He would become an SEC star, but having never completed over 60% of his passes in the next three seasons and with those fleet feet, the NFL tabbed him as a wide receiver. The Jags took him in 2005's first round, and he kind of was a bust, but he's finally remembered in these circles, finally remembered in the SEC, and we're going to toss it to Trey Biddy, my interview with the other Trey, uh, Trey Biddy, and, and we're going to talk about Matt Jones in particular and, and, and this fun Arkansas team, and then we're going to get to Bobby Burton talking about Eli. He kicks this time. He'll have the wind at his back. That means anything for him. Jones with the bootleg keeper, Matt Jones. Touchdown! How about the true freshman? One play, 25-yard Arkansas touchdown. And then the third overtime and on, you go for two. All right, Trey, I had a good time watching this game, and I don't think I ever actually watched it in 2001, but I remember the box score in the newspaper the next morning, I think, if it published on time. But I'm assuming you watched it in Mm. real time, and I'd love to kind of know... Uh, what that was like for you. 
Well, I mean, obviously it was very exciting. Matt Jones is one of the most exciting Razorbacks to ever come through, and he was just a freshman that year, you know. So he had actually made his debut. Now, this year Arkansas played three SEC games by week four. So they were they had jumped right into it, and they were had gotten off to a pretty bad start. They were averaging those first three games, they'd averaged like nine points a game. And Matt Jones didn't make his debut until a game at Georgia – Uh, in week four, okay? And at that point, he was playing wide receiver. He started out at wide receiver. The next game against Weber State, he had a 57-yard run, uh, still hadn't played a whole lot. And then they played uh, South Carolina and then Auburn. The Auburn game, they had a week off before this Auburn game. It was number 17 Auburn coming to Fayetteville, and Arkansas whipped them 42-17. to And this was Matt Jones's real coming-out party. Okay, so uh, he had rushed for like 99 yards. He completed his first pass, which was a 21-yard touchdown. And again, this was just a true freshman. For those who don't know about Matt Jones, just fast forward to NFL Combine. Okay, so four years later, 6'6", 243 pounds, runs a 4.43 in the 40-yard dash in sweatpants. Okay, ended up being drafted, I think, number 17 overall in the first round as a wide receiver, not as a quarterback. He kind of had some shoulder issues. Uh, there towards the end of his career, so ended up getting drafted as a wide receiver. So that's who Matt Jones is. He was a long striding guy. He always looked like he was moving slower because he was so long, and he would just hit the corner and just run straight by people. Tons of huge, long touchdown runs throughout his career. So that's kind of setting the stage going into this Ole Miss game. Okay, so this game is at Oxford. I believe it's the eighth game of the season, uh, November third, okay, right. two thousand and one. So Jones barely plays in this game, okay, during the during the regular time. He barely plays in the game. And it's like it's seven seven at halftime. Arkansas scores with twenty seconds left to go before halftime, and it's seven to seven. This is a game that ended up being fifty-eight to fifty-six. Okay. At the end of regulation, it's 17-17. Jones comes in really and starts taking over the game in the fourth quarter. Okay, it leads them down. They score. Then Ole Miss answers and scores, and this sends it into overtime. Okay, so th- this, by the way, is one of about 18 nail biter games over the next four years with Matt Jones at quarterback. So it was it was you know the cardiac hogs during this time. So Matt Jones goes into the game. And he ends up rushing. I, I, he goes. I think I believe he went over 100 yards rushing. As long as run was just 25 yards, because it was you know they started at the 25 yard line. But to me, this was really an introduction of Matt Jones to the world. And he ends up. You know what's interesting about this game also is it could have ended so many times because the third, the fourth, and the fifth overtimes, nobody, nobody scored a two point conversion. Nobody. So it wasn't until the sixth overtime, Matt Jones, the good thing about Matt Jones is not only was he super fast and elusive, uh, 18 carries, 110 yards, two touchdowns, three of six passing, 61 yards and a touchdown and hit a, he was, he was super lucky. Also, did you ever see Deadpool, the second Deadpool where the girl's superpower is luck? That was, that reminds me of Matt Jones because, you know, both of those two point conversions in the sixth and seventh overtime were just prayers. They were they were just prayers. Um, so we went to Jason Peters. Yeah, Jason I Peters. I was like Jason Peters, and I, I was like, "Yo, that's the Jason Peters." Yeah. So Jason Peters played tight end at Arkansas, and uh, this you know we're talking about Matt Jones, Trey. But the, the 
the interesting thing about this is the other cast of characters, and I'm not as familiar as with Ole Miss, but you know, obviously Eli Manning ended up being the first round draft pick at quarterback uh, and played, you know, had a long NFL career. But Arkansas had some a lot of really great players. Kenny Hamlin, if you remember him, long, long career with the Dallas Cowboys at safety. Uh, when he left, he was Arkansas's all-time leading tackler. Uh, and Tony Bua, who actually overtook him. Tony Bua was a fifth-round draft pick, I believe, by Miami Dolphins. Uh, you had Caleb Miller on that team was a sophomore, ended up being a third-round draft pick. Carlos Hall played, uh, had a long NFL career. I think he was a seventh-round pick. Ahmad Carroll was a starting cornerback as a true freshman on that team who was a first-round draft pick. Eddie Jackson played a long time in the NFL, at, uh, also at cornerback. And Eddie I believe Eddie also went on to win uh, Next Food Network star. Uh, and uh, uh, Jermaine Petty, who I didn't, he didn't even have an NFL career, but he was a first-team All-SEC linebacker on that team. Uh, and Arkansas's last first-team All-SEC linebacker over a 15-year period till Martrell Spate got it in 2016, had 140 tackles that year. Uh, you also had Marvin Jackson, a punt returner, who was probably Arkansas's best punt returner since 1964 with Ken Hatfield. And then you go to the offensive side of the ball. We mentioned Jason Peters. Lined up next to him was Sean Andrews, who was a first-round uh, draft pick. He was a freshman, true freshman on that team, starting at, at right tackle for Arkansas. George Wilson was a former walk-on wide receiver who ended up leading Arkansas in catches, didn't get drafted, turned himself into a safety, and played for like a decade in the NFL at safety. Um, Cedric Cobbs was on that team, eventual draft pick at running back. Uh, Fred Talley, who was second team All SEC that year. Tavares Jackson, who ended up starting for Minnesota Vikings, was actually a backup quarterback who transferred out. And a surprise guy on that team, I guess, would be Dow Loggins, who was a uh, who was a holder and now is the uh, offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. So there was a lot of talent on that team for Arkansas. And but you see what a difference Jones make. You know, I mentioned averaging nine points a game those first. Uh, the first four games before he came, excuse me, the first three games before he came in, and then they averaged 30, win six in a row, and then their losses, they end up the year with a 41-38 loss at LSU and then lose 10-3 uh, to number 10 Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. A really good, a really good Oklahoma team, especially on defense yeah. uh, that year. So, um, But, yeah, Matt Jones went on to, at, even after this game, they played a six-overtime game the next year at Tennessee. They lost that one. And then the year after that, they played another seven-overtime game against Kentucky and won that one. Finding out Tavares Jackson was on this team was yeah. surprising. Because I saw they played four – Arkansas played four quarterbacks in its mm -hmm. opener. And to be honest, Trey, like I grew up watching Texas. And I, so I remember Matt Jones in 2002. Mm -hmm. And I knew he was on this 2001 team. And I go into my rewatch, and I'm expecting them to trot Matt Jones out. And it's, yeah. uh, I believe, Zach Clark or something. I'm like, huh. Mm -hmm. But you watch, and over the course of the game, like he he looks ahead of his time. As a, as I don't even know, like he only completed three passes, but he all of those were spectacular. He like kind of looked like a much bigger Johnny Manziel, almost just mm -hmm. like buying time in the pocket, and then he just had those natural running ability. Uh, too it, kind of incredible that he like i feel like if matt jones was in college football right now he would probably even as a true freshman like should have been a day one starter oh yeah yeah it i mean you you nailed it right there there's never been anybody like him since and you know the johnny manziel comparison is actually pretty good 
the difference with Johnny Manziel and Matt was Manziel, you know, was around six foot and Matt was six, six. And he was just such a strike. It, 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 it never ceased to amaze me how often people would take a bad angle on him. And he was, he was just unique. I mean, he, he really was. And I mentioned that four, four, three that he ran at the, uh, excuse me, four, four, two at the NFL combine that he ran. He was in sweats. He was the most, casual football player you've ever seen. And, you know, the stories of the next year, that team led by Matt Jones, he led him to the SEC championship game. Arkansas won nine games each of the next two years. But the next year he led him to the SEC championship game. And one of the most popular games in Razorback memory is the Miracle on Markham, which he said just to be whistling before he throws a touchdown bomb against Nick Saban and LSU. And the winner of the game goes to the SEC championship game. So Arkansas won that game on a bomb in Little Rock at War Memorial Stadium. Uh, and Matt Jones is said to be just whistling before <laughs> before the play. He was super calm. And, uh, you know, as a freshman, this is a freshman, you know, in the, the game before that, against Auburn, he was instrumental in, in leading them to that game. And, you know, also I mentioned, you know, that Auburn game, I mentioned uh, uh, Fred Talley, who was on this team, who was a second-team All-SEC running back that year. If you ever go on an Auburn message board, uh, every once in a while, even to this day, you'll see somebody say, hey, I just looked out my window and Fred Talley just ran by my freaking house. I think he ran for like 241 yards one year and then 200-something else the next year. He just always smoked Auburn. But uh, that was a really fun team to watch. And when you look back, I think they only won seven games that year. So, But it it really kind of set the foundation for uh, the next three years after that. Yeah, they went seven and five. Both of these teams, like Ole Miss, was six and one entering this game, and Ole Miss goes six and four. I think it it probably wore both sides out. Where does this game? I imagine a team this era of Arkansas football is regarded pretty highly, uh, with a, a great sense of nostalgia. Where does this game rank for you? as a lifelong follower of Arkansas mm-hmm. among like favorite or, or most memorable, like, I don't, you know, like I, I'm imagining you stayed up watching the whole thing. It must've been extremely yeah. exciting, but like, is this, this in the pantheon of best Arkansas games? It's up there. I might say the best one for me probably would have been 2010 when Arkansas beat LSU in Little Rock. And I remember that because I was standing next to the guys on the Sugar Bowl selection committee, and that's and I could hear them talking, you know, and basically deciding that Arkansas was going to be invited to the Sugar Bowl. So that was a pretty big one. Another LSU game, Houston Nuts last year, 2007. They go yep. down there with Darren McFadden, and McFadden goes crazy, and they, they beat LSU. I believe that was three overtimes, if I'm not mistaken. But they beat LSU – in that one, LSU was number one in the country and, and still went on to win the national championship there that year. So a couple of LSU games, I would put this one up there. This was a big-time game, obviously, uh, a kind of a coming out for Matt Jones, a, a sign of things to come for him. Uh, for whatever reason, Arkansas was in, as I mentioned, 18 games over a four-year career with Matt Jones at quarterback, with him deciding games, basically, at the end of the game. I think they went 10 and 8 in those games, but – uh, so many games because he just turned it on at the end. They would come storming back against teams. As I mentioned, there were two other overtime games. People just had a hard time stopping him, especially when they were getting tired. Uh, but two other, you know, a seven overtime game and or two seven overtime games and a six overtime game. So all those are going to rank up there. Uh, I would also say another game against Ole Miss. 
back in 2016 with uh it's known around arkansas as the hunter heave or the hudson uh excuse me the henry heave yeah uh, for for hunter henry uh nobody can seem to i mean it's like a literal 50 50 split on what to call it hunter heave or henry heave but uh that game where i mean it's fourth and 25 i should know that but yeah maybe fourth and 25 i think so 20 something and the, you know, they throw the ball to, to Hunter. He's going down. He flicks it back. Ole Miss sideline is celebrating. Hugh Freeze has got his fist in the air. Dan Skipper, who's 6'10", the only guy who could have tipped it, tips it. Alex Collins picks it up, probably the only guy capable of running it 25 yards for a first down. Fumbles the ball because he actually thinks that they need to score a touchdown, so he intentionally fumbles it. Uh, and then Arkansas falls on the ball and and ends up going down and scoring and then getting a two-point conversion to win that one. That one's way up there, too. So it's hard to pick one. I mean, Arkansas has been in some some heartbreakers, but it seems like LSU and, and Ole Miss are in a lot of them. Well, I was going to say, when you look for this 2001 game on YouTube, like you type in Arkansas Ole Miss and, and that that uh, Hunter Henry uh, whatever play mm-hmm. comes up first, and, and it's just and I was like, wow, Arkansas really has been involved in some nail-biters. I'll, yeah. I'll send you out with this. Like, I was kind of looking – and everyone always talks about Arkansas. What's the secret to the success? And you know, they say you got to recruit Texas, you got to recruit the surrounding areas. But it seems like they always have a, mm-hmm. a homegrown star. Matt Jones is from Arkansas. Darren McFadden's from Arkansas. Brandon Allen was from Arkansas. Was Hunter Matt Henry. Jones? Yeah. Uh, was Matt, Matt Jones, Jones was. like a big time recruit? Like back then, when w- there really wasn't such a thing, or was he just kind of a, a guy they found? He was in Arkansas. Arkansas people knew about him. I mean, just from basketball, football. I mean, he was he was an all around athlete. He ended up playing basketball for the Razorbacks as well. But around Arkansas, people knew about him. But he was a three star type of recruit coming out. But everybody around here was excited about Matt Jones. The arguments was, is he going to play wide receiver or is he going to be a quarterback? And I think most people thought wide receiver. But I remember the first time I ever saw him in a Razorback uniform, it was for a, a scrimmage, and Arkansas couldn't get anything going. Their first team quarterback against Arkansas's, you know, reserve defense, kind of how they structure scrimmages. And then they put Matt Jones in, flipping it the other way around with him with the reserve offense against the first team defense and he led them all the way down the field and it was it wasn't fast, it was just Matt Jones runs right, left, up the middle over and over again and he and I just remember thinking, "Wow, Matt Jones is the only guy moving the ball." And lo and behold, you know, it took took four games for him to start getting them in, really five. Uh, but yeah, he changed the he changed the path of that whole season, and really it started with that Auburn game the week before. But then the uh, the Ole Miss game, I think, really put him on the map. Yeah, the rest was history. Trey, good to have you on. I appreciate it. Thanks. Good to be with you. Trey Biddy has been the publisher of Hogsports.com for 17 years. You can find his work at Hogsports.com and 24/7 Sports. We appreciate him joining us. Next up is an interview with Bobby Burton who it's pretty fascinating when you can find a guy who saw both Peyton and Eli Manning in high school. So stay tuned because this is a good one. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
They either get six yards, a touchdown, or it's over. Well protected to the end zone. Did he thread that needle or what? All week long, the Ole Miss people, especially Langston Rogers, the venerable SID, says this kid can play. All right, so I'm about to bring Bobby on, but before I do that, I kind of want to walk through like a confusing thing I'm I'm finding with the Eli Manning as a recruit storyline here. So it's back in 1999, which is the class Eli was in, like the recruiting industry looked totally different. The people who were running rivals were not the people who actually turned rivals into a success story, such as my bosses, Shannon, Terry, and Bobby, and, and those guys uh, who, who eventually sold rivals to yahoo.com. Rivals was kind of different back then. And Bobby Burton actually worked for a website called the National Recruiting Advisor. And he remembers Eli Manning as a can't miss prospect with four or five star talent. Per any list I can find, uh, rivals.com listed Eli Manning as a three-star and a number 15 quarterback prospect in the class. Number one in the class was Chris Sims. You can't find any sort of statistical recollection, like an archived list of rankings dating back to 1999. So it it appears that something's sort of been lost to the ages here as far as uh, a memory of recruiting ranking. But Bobby is adamant that when he saw Eli, he saw him and thought, four-star talent, five-star talent. And the offer list makes sense. The fact that he was Peyton Manning's younger brother, Archie Manning's son makes sense. So we're going to toss to Bobby. I'm going to ask him about, okay, there was a disconnect here in the recruiting rankings. We're going to hear what Bobby has to say. We're going to also talk a little bit about Eli Manning's recruitment. So Bobby, I was watching this football game and kind of realizing I needed to trace back Eli Manning's beginnings. And I started scrambling, thinking of someone who might remember him as a recruit. And then I thought of you because I remember it in the past. You've you've talked about Eli before, and obviously you're one of the founding fathers of the recruiting industry. And so I reached out to you and you told me that you remember quite a bit about Eli. And I'm I'm here to wonder what those recollections exactly are. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, uh, Eli was uh, same class as Chris Sims. Uh, Sims was considered the number one quarterback and Eli was either two or three in that class from a high school standpoint, uh, obviously ended up probably being the most prolific though in, in the long run. And, uh, he was out of new Orleans Isadora Newman, same as his, uh, older brother Peyton, uh, and, uh, was highly, highly recruited. So I went, I went through the old recruiting rankings and it's, I'm not in 1999. I'm not even sure like how, like uh, there's no there's no archive of the rankings. You can just kind of have to find things like as a list form. And I, and I did find like that Chris Sims was number one. I found Eli, and there's a few other guys too. And I, maybe it was a glitch, but it it says that Eli Manning was a three star recruit. Does that sound right to you, or do you think that something got lost over time? That's absolutely untrue. Um, Eli was considered a national recruit at the highest level. Uh, he had offers from coast to coast. Uh, and was recruited that way. I was he, he was he was a four and or five star type recruit. Um, you know, I at that time I was still running a, a company called the National Recruiting Advisor, um, and that was on the edge of when Rivals was starting and, and becoming an everyday thing. And uh, 
having gone down to, to New Orleans and seeing Eli play in, in high school and uh, seeing Chris Sims in high school and, you know, everybody else in that class, basically, I, I think it's it. Look, the the reality of it is, is that Eli was highly, highly touted. Um, so anybody that's saying he's a three star is kind of not does not have the proper perspective. So, Bobby, you actually went to Isidore Newman to watch Eli? No, I didn't go to Isidore Newman. I went to, I believe, it was one of the other parochial schools uh, in um, in uh, New Orleans that they were playing at. So I didn't actually go to his high school. I went to Peyton Manning's high school. I went to Isidore Newman for Peyton Manning's game. But for Eli, a couple of years later, I actually went to a, an opposing high school to watch him play. Wow, but you, you still saw both of them in person. Like, when you... When you saw Eli, were you, or did you kind of know like, okay, really good. He's going to be, he's going to be a great college quarterback. He's going to be an NFL first round pick, but he's probably not going to be as good as his brother. Like, was that already the book on him? No, no, that wasn't. Um, Eli actually was physically less developed than Peyton at that time. uh, And a little uh, ganglier, I guess is a good word for it, you know? Um, meanwhile, uh, Peyton was a little more thick, heavy set, same as they probably are today. Uh, and Peyton looked at, Eli grew more when he was in college too. Uh, the thing that they both had, Peyton was more of this alpha leader type in high school. He was telling everybody what to do. Eli was not. Um, and so that was one of the reasons why he wasn't as highly maybe as highly rated as, as Peyton. I rated Peyton the number one quarterback in the country coming out. So, um, but you know, it, it, to me, Eli is one of those guys that it's a perfect example of you don't stop growing your senior year of high school. Um, and his eventual choice of Ole Miss was perfect for him because it, it reunited him with David Cutcliffe, who, was the University of Tennessee offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning and then uh, was the new head coach at, uh, at Old Miss. And uh, I thought that the Cutcliffe's offense, which was heavy play action, played a good role in it. And Eli, uh, I thought, did a great job of maximizing his ability. How do you re- remember that recruitment playing out? Uh, you, you mentioned he had offers from coast to coast. Was Ole Miss a pretty obvious selection given that Archie played there and Cutcliffe was there at that point. Well, yeah, and t- no, it was, it was, but it wasn't. So, you know, long story short, Florida was involved. T- Texas was involved. Florida was con- kind of not on the outside looking in. He had decided not to go with Tennessee, um, which is where Peyton went. Obviously he, he came down to kind of Texas and, and uh, Ole Miss and at one point, I thought he was leaning to Texas, um, but then Texas, after Tennessee got Chris Sims, because he initially, Chris Sims initially committed to Tennessee, it looked like Eli might might end up at Texas, but then Chris Sims re- re-engaged with Texas and, and ended up committing there, and that kind of put the, that cast the die, so to speak, and he ended up at Ole Miss. He may have ended up at Ole Miss anyways, regardless, because of the, the strong tie with David Cutcliffe. Uh, but at that point in time, uh, Mac Brown was the head coach at Texas, relatively new head 
at Texas, and Mac and Archie Manning were good friends because Mac had been the head coach at Tulane, and Archie had been over there quite a bit. And the families—I wouldn't say the families had grown close, but the two the two uh, patriarchs had grown close, so to speak. So, um, but long is short of it. Highly recruited, could have wanted just about anywhere he wanted to. There are a couple places that that probably had other quarterbacks in mind for whatever reason, but uh, uh, tremendous, really good prospect, tremendous prospect from a arm perspective. Um, and the question was whether or not he was going to be athletic enough and, and grow enough to be a great player. Thank you, Bobby. All right. Thanks, Trey. Be good, man. All right. Bye. All right. Bobby Burton is the founder of 24-7 Sports, who still runs the Texas site, Horns 24-7. He's a vital resource to have around. I appreciate him joining us. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, leave us a five-star rating. We're going to do this game rewatch again from time to time. We're going to need your help picking the next one we do. So for Trey Biddy, for Bobby Burton, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott, and I will see you on Monday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 